Awesome. Well, if you guys have been getting uh, the email or the social media, you'll know that we're going to be stepping into the book of James uh, in this coming season. And uh, I'm excited to get into it, but I felt to do what I call a palate cleanser before we get into it. As you know, one of my favorite metaphors for Paul or any of the wonderful master chefs, we do watch Master Chef on Netflix with the kids, uh, is, is to them presenting these wonderful meals. And James is no different, but there's this need to cleanse the palate, as it were. I don't know if you've shopped for perfumes, and you try a perfume, and they give you coffee beans. You guys, have you seen that? You guys done that? Women? Yeah, okay. And apparently that takes away whatever you just smelt, so now you can fully smell the next thing. And that's my desire here today, is to kind of get into the a sort of a, a preamble, as it were, with what, what, um, what Paul has for us. I'm a person that likes to be very pragmatic in my Christian walk. I see the scripture. I'm not actually a religious person by nature. I don't know if that makes sense, but maybe we can talk. It, it's something I just want practical, pragmatic. I believe Jesus was very practical. Very pragmatic. How does this apply? I appreciate wonderful poems that help encourage me on my fridge, but I want to live those poems. I don't just want a day-to-day limping along. Certainly there must be something of the gospel in the New Testament where these people were overcomers, man. Like they'd stand in the face of trials like burnt to the stake or thrown to the lions or Nero lighting them on fire at night. And you're going, which Jesus are they following? Could the real Jesus please step up? The one who's clearly worthy of people's lives, clearly worthy of giving their lives. You go, I want that. And how do I wade through that in a first world context? In a context where I have everything to eat. My bank has got money in it. I've got kids are going to school. I've got water. I've got food. This is the desire in my heart to go, okay, get down to it. And so when I, I, just recently we went through Ephesians. And this is just one chapter of the Bible. And this is what it says, I have as a Christian, someone who's put their faith in Jesus Christ for my righteousness. It says, I have every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. These are now words. Whether I have a good day or bad day, these are the facts. These are facts. Oh, we are just, I'm justified in Christ, okay? I'm being sanctified through Christ. I've been adopted to be a child of God. I've been rescued. I have an inheritance waiting for me. I have the pledge of the Holy Spirit. Even on a very cursory level, that's quite shocking. But my question to myself, looking in the mirror and God speaking with me in my own private time, is have I digested that? Have I assimilated it into me? You know, sometimes you can't digest something and the body doesn't use it, it just passes right through unused, unutilized, the nourishment, whatever nourishment was in it did not benefit you because you couldn't digest it. What is the problem, Nick Russell? That's me. What are the challenges? And you could say, well, Nick, it could be many things. It could be negligence. Fair, fair. You know, the word that they heard didn't profit them because it was, it was not mixed with faith. I get that. Or we know that the cares and concerns of the world can grow up and choke out the word. Legit. Heart, could be a heart issue. Yeah, could be, could be. 
there, to some degree, it's, it's always got something to do with faith in our hearts, for sure. But I want, to consi- I want you to consider something that you might have not considered before or may not have contemplated to the extent I think we should that impacts digestion. And we kind of see this picture in, with Jesus when he says something. You know, what are the greatest commandments? He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your souls, and with all of your mind. I want to pull out that last word, those last, the mind. Often we say it's a heart issue, and no doubt. I'm not saying it's not. And I want to pull out as if we were coming into a stop. We go, okay, Nick, I got some problems. Okay, let's just have a look at your CPU. Let's look at your mind. And understand that often in the scripture, the heart and mind are, are, are brought together. We see that even in this scripture. Jesus, where of his thoughts, responded and said to them, Why are you thinking this way in your hearts? The mind. I feel for some reason I don't know if you guys remember uh, what was that that black and white show, The Twilight Zone, and he would say the mind. He'd start out, forgive me, I'm showing my age. I am 52 as of yesterday. But just so we're on the page, same page, this is what the mind is that I want to speak of. The mind, the place of thinking, reasoning, decision making, intellectual processes, the affection, your speech. It's hard to speak what's not out out of your mind. Your speech comes from your mind. How is the mind fashioned? Well, nature, a lot of it nature, but also history, context. If I was to change minds with Umish, I would then have some type of, as an Indian and me a Canadian, we have different mindsets. We come up from different places. If I was to change minds with Jeb, I'd have this weird desire to watch baseball, which is not there. He'd say, Nick, what's going on? What, have you lost your mind? I'd say, yeah. But it's all context that, that creates your mind. How you were born, how many, were you as only child or did you have a bunch of brothers and sisters? Where you were brought up, were you brought up wealthy or poor? All of these are what's shaped your mind. And so that information from the outside world comes in, process, action results. I find it fascinating. We, we had this uh, vacant lot, well, a lot that had a house to tear down on the other cul-de-sac. And I don't have to tell you where the individual is from that built it because it's clearly from his mind, wonderful Persian man, it's a palace. And you can just see that mindset Good or that bad makes no difference to me. But it's so interesting, even from a cultural perspective, the mindset that produces X, Y, and Z. We all have the access to the same resources, but those resources come in and something completely different comes out. That's the mind, or the mindset, if you will. That's the definition. So when Jesus started his ministry in Matthew chapter 4, This is one of the first things that's recorded, he said. For at that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, change your, sorry, I should say your minds, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. He begins an interesting, at an interesting point with the listeners. He's challenging them on their thoughts. He's challenging them just not 
in what they think, but how they think. And this is the essence of what I want to touch on today. Often we get caught up in just people, this is, this is the things that you should think. This is what you should think. Whereas I believe the kingdom of God is changing how you think. And in changing how you think, changes what you think. It's getting to the source of the dilemmas that we often have in our Christian walk. Is how we think. And he begins, Jesus did a lot of teaching. And you guys know he had a lot of punch-ups with the Pharisees. You know, the Pharisees, the religious people. The ones who knew better. And he does begin with challenging people on thoughts. But he goes much deeper when he starts to challenge the religious leaders. He points out to them distortions of the truths given by Moses when they are digested through a religious mindset. In particular, the pharisaical mindset. He did not speak against Moses. In fact, when he healed the guy in Matthew chapter 8, he said, go before the priest and give the sacrifice according to the law of Moses. He did not say he was against the law. He said he came to fulfill it. But when that law came into the mindset, the carnal mindset, the pharisaical mindset, something very different came out from what, what was intended. And this is an earthly mindset, or you'll hear a carnal mindset, a fleshly mindset. It's all the same sort of meaning. It's a mindset of the world. And what happens is truth can come in, but distortion kind of comes out. There's something just off about how it's processed. And I believe this can often be overlooked. The message of Jesus and his kingdom is very important, but the mind receiving it is also very important. Or the soil receiving it. Jesus is stating in this verse that we must position ourselves in a place to have our minds changed. And this is not a singular event. In Matthew chapter 4, it's called present in the Greek tense. He's going to challenge the people that to position themselves to change their mind and go on changing their minds. And you see this wonderfully articulated by Paul. That the mind and the transformation of the mind is critical to your cleaning you up, as it were. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Would you not agree that God is looking for us to live differently? Isn't that most of the exhortation that you would see from Paul, Peter, the New Testament? It is very hard to live differently if you don't think differently. I want you to, to, to contemplate repentance. It's, it's broader than you might have first thought. Now, you see Paul dealing with the church in Corinth. And he challenges them. He says, you are living like ordinary people. And you're like, they're like, what are you talking about? I am an ordinary person. No, you ain't. And why are they living ordinary or he's something, in another uh, um, version, he says, like, acting like mere men. 
Because they think like mere men. They think like ordinary people. Their minds are earthly and carnal. Now, if you've lived with yourself long enough, you also see this in your own life. It's an interesting thing you see in the church, a weird mixture of carnal-mindedness and kingdom-mindedness in the church. Now, you'll see in James, once we step into it, we'll start to break things apart a bit, but it's called double-minded. See, all the various doctrines and mindsets have been built out of these mindsets. The, the, the theologies, they abound and have been sifted through multiple earthly mindsets. You see, even with Paul in the beginning of Corinth church, he goes, you guys are already starting denominations? Okay, so one's of Paul, one's of Apollos. They've already started to be carnal with truth. I mean, you can see this often in various... Um, various different scriptures that he's challenging them. This is, this is four scriptures. These people always cause trouble. Their minds are corrupted. They have turned their backs on the truth. To them, a show of godliness is just a way of becoming wealthy. Remember, Jesus stomped kicking some tables, got a whip going. You're like, what happened to gentle Jesus meek and mild? And he's kicking over things because they, they're... they're, they're, they're getting financial gain. They're monetizing that which is holy. Peter, remember Peter. I mean, think of this. He's just said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He's had a zenith. All the other disciples are like, wow, Peter's got it nailed. And this is what he says just after that. He says, he turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Because Peter said, you will not die to him. He said, no, Jesus, this won't happen. He says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block. If you are not setting your mind on God's purposes, your mind. Let us not discount the need for the mind to be in alignment. Colossians, take care that no one keeps defrauding you of your prize by delighting in humility and the worship of the angels, taking a stand on visions he has seen inflated without cause by his fleshly mind. What I find interesting, you can often... Look at a carnal Christian who watches whatever they want, sleeps around, gets drunk, all of that. But there's also a religious mind that's equally detrimental. Carnality. As it were, whipping themselves. There are certain people who come out of certain religions. And if, if, if I could say some, I've, I've noticed this with certain, potentially even the Muslim religion, would they come out and they become Christians. But if you try now and stuff Christianity into a Muslim mindset, there's just this horrible blockage. Or other religions, you could think of it, that people come out of that are very religious as earthly religion. And unless there's a repentance, a changing of mind, there's this weird kind of, they don't get anywhere. Because there's no repentance or no ongoing repentance. It's weird. It was baffled me. I would, I would watch some of these over the years, these what we call health and wealth teachers. And people say, oh, I love that guy. Oh, yeah, it's just great. And I go, it's, the preaching's actually really good, but what's, there's something off. Now, if I say to you, the, the, the mindset of this culture is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that mindset does not change. But now, instead of putting this, I add Jesus in the provisions of what he has done. His death, burial, and resurrection is now, therefore, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It comes in, it filters through, and something distorted comes out. And yet, 
you go, that's a good verse. And no, yeah, that, there's, that what, it, what, it, what it brings is a weird selfishness. And they appropriate the truths of God's word and apply it to a mindset that is carnal and earthy, earthly. And you see this in multiple different cultures that we come from. And this is why the need for repentance and the embracing of repentance is critical to our lives. Paul brings this up a lot if you see it through, scouted through his epistles. In Matthew chapter 8, he says, the, life, or the mindset on Christ is life, the mindset on the flesh is death. Mindset. We need to understand that our natural minds cannot digest the truths of God's word. How many people do you know that have read the Bible backwards and front many times and they got nothing? They could not absorb it. It's like a sponge that has no absorption. It's like throwing something at a wall. Nothing sticks. Paul starts to open this up for us in, Corinth, in, the, in the Corinth church. And he's speaking about what, what's to come. And he's juxtaposing the knowledge. It's very similar, Corinth, like us, where hu- humanism reigns. Aren't we so intelligent? We're just so impressed with ourselves as human beings. And we all go on and go on. I don't need God. We passed God. Yes, no, we're on. Yeah, we've moved on. And we see the culture is never, it's, it's an abysmal state that it's in. And Paul juxtapositions the wisdom of men and the wisdom of God. And just before this, he's like, I has not seen, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Except for to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. The Spirit churches all things, even the depths of God. For who among people knows the thoughts of a person except the Spirit of that person that is in him? So also... The thoughts of God, no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now, we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know things freely given to us by God. We also speak these things not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. We now can know the mind of God by the Spirit of God. But a natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them. Because they are spiritually discerned. But the one who is spiritual discerns all things, yet he himself is discerned by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that we will instruct him? but we have the mind of Christ. Critical information. We have the mind of Christ through the Spirit of God. I mean, how many times have you heard, if you have grew up in the church, that we need to live like Jesus lived? We're be cold. He's the forerunner for us to follow. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Have we considered that in order to truly live like Christ, we must have some semblance to think like Christ? And you think, that's nuts. That's what it's saying. That's why repentance was the first thing out of his mouth. 
The people who heard it were like, okay, it must mean repent about um, lying or repent about all manner of sin, which no doubt what repentance is. But it's much deeper for the victory life. With the last couple of minutes, I'm just going to talk about some thoughts around how we can walk in this mindset, how we can access that. You know, it's a funny thing when you sing about the songs about freedom in Christ. It's one thing to sing about them. It's another thing to live them and desire to, to, to walk in them because that's the desire. Doctrine is great. Theology is great, but it's meant to have an outlet, an action. It's meant to move us. It starts with no doubt studying, but it needs an outlet. If you have faith, it demands action in you. It demands, it demands an outlet. It, in prayer, when you have faith, you can't help but, but, but pray. It demands something. It demands a reality. Faith is a substance of things folk for. Amen? I think this all starts with this for me. It all starts with the position that Christ himself had. And I'm going to start with Philippians 2 here. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than themselves. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. Remember when I talk about worship? What is worship actually? The word actually means, means prostrate before God. It's proper positioning before God. How we are apt to get off the floor and start thinking we're all that. It's proper position. It's humility. It's not thinking above your station. I know the world wants self-esteem. We're talking about Christ's esteem. We're following after Christ here. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ who being the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation taking on taking the form of the bonds, a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. This gives us some insight. The mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you. It's humility. What is the number one problem with the human race? Pride. Think about it. And it comes in all fashions. It comes, I remember witnessing to a guy on the streets of Victoria who was very aggressive with me. And he was in my face and he was drunk. I watched him pee himself. And he was still full of pride. I know it sounds crazy though, but that's what pride does. Pride blinds you. You can't see. It's the weirdest thing. The very person says, I don't need God, I can see, is literally going, bonk, poking their eyes out. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees that the blind leading the blind. It's so deceitful. Pride. Find our place before the Lord daily on our knees in repentance and faith. I know, go look at all your Facebook posts and all the Instagram stuff. Forgive me, I'm not on social media. I don't know what it is today, but all the people going on and on, there's so much noise out there. Lord, on our face, on our knees, in a place of Lord speak, the book of James is going to challenge us on how we're living. That's the weird thing about it. It's very action-oriented. And it can be potentially a very 
frustrating place if we don't understand how spiritual transformation works. It's like starting a car. It's like, it's supposed to work. God, where are you? And yet the manual is clearly in the scripture. Repent. Put your faith in Christ. We position our hearts and our minds in humility before God in order to truly absorb and digest truth. It's a position. In the parable of the sower, is the seed any different for any of the different grounds? The seed is the same. It's the grounds that are different. The rocky, the thorny, the fertile. Be aware of what is sown into your mind. Be aware of what is shaping your mind. Why do you think the enemy wants the school system so badly? To shape your children. Not just what they think, but how they think. We know it's a battle of the minds. Watch what you watch. What would you sow into your life? What you meditate on? The YouTube you watch. And all the junk. And it's not all like sin, but it's just wasted time. How is your mind being formed? Who is forming your mind? Finally, my brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, that probably cuts out most social media, by the way. And again, you can do whatever you want. I'm just trying to help you understand what's going wrong potentially in your life and why it's not working. I tried Jesus, it's not working. No, you didn't. You did it your way. You did Frank Sinatra with Jesus. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Where is he now? I don't know where. He's in the grave somewhere. What is honorable? Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I love the gospel. I love what Jesus Christ has done. Now what will you do in return? Often I think we have this idea, if God wants to do it, he'll do it. No, we are co-laborers. The sanctification process is we are in working with God, working out our salvation with fear and trembling. We are producing good works along with the Holy Spirit. If you want to jump in a mud puddle and get dirty, it's up to you. And then months later, you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit drawing you back to God and you repent. And then you go back to it. At some point, you've got to be done with it. When you were a child, you thought as a child. But when you grow up, you put away childish things. It's the mind. It's the mind. The mind of Christ. To think in such a way. To see what the Father's doing. To hear what the Father's doing. is how he lived. Do you not think that is open to us by the Spirit of God? It's at our place that we find our deficit is where our strength is. When we are weak, when we realize our weaknesses... When we realize apart from God, we can do nothing of any significance. When we're beyond, beyond the religion of Christianity into the relationship of Christ. That's why Jesus rebukes the Pharisees. The Pharisees come up to him and go, why are you hanging out with sinners? This guy, doesn't he know that lady's a hooker? My goodness. And Jesus is like, what are you talking about? I came for the sick. Not realizing those Pharisees are full of leprosy. Jesus only come for the sick. If you don't think you are sick spiritually, you got nothing to do with Jesus because he came for sick people. He came for people straight up going, I need God. I need breakthrough. I don't understand it all, but I know he is the physician. And in that daily now, we humble ourselves. Lord, speak. 
We get into his word. We read his word. How many things we read on, how many times do we read things all, other than the word of God on so many topics like finances, like child rearing, like marriage. Like God has a lot to say on these things. I encourage you to memorize scripture. Jesus himself, when confronted by the devil in Matthew 4, quotes Deuteronomy chapter 8. I've never quoted that, but he did. He quotes the word of God. It's the one that's going to transform our minds. It's, it's his word in us, becoming active, doing what only he can do. I don't need to be challenged anymore. I've been challenged by so many sermons across my life. I need to be changed. I'm done living in memory. And the way that we are changed, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? You hear a convicting message and for two to three weeks you're going strong and then it starts to fade. Because the mind's not changed. Change the mind, change the action. This is what it's about. This is the simplicity of the gospel message. Because I can tell you, James comes out of the gate swinging. It's why it's the last book that's canonized in the Bible because they were like, man, this is intense. This is why Luther couldn't stand the book. It's called the book of straw. He's going to come hard. He's going to come fast. He's going to call you to who you are in Christ. What, is he, what you're being called to is you have. You just don't know you have it because you still think like the world. You still think in the flesh. So you only look at fleshly things. But he who is spiritual discerns all things spiritual and looks spiritually at these things. So I trust that you are encouraged and what God is doing. Let's stand together here. We are people of action in this church. We desire to see the kingdom of God advanced. We desire that which is ancient, not which, that which is new. We're looking for you, Lord God, to move amongst us and on us and through us. We lift you the mindsets of hurts, the mindset of pain, the mindset of being abused by people, by being let down, oh, the various unhelpful mindsets, we lift you and say, oh, God, help us. We desire our minds to be defined by that from above. We position ourselves in a place of repentance, of changing of mind, saying, Lord, we've tried, it doesn't work. Our minds do not work for us. They have the guise of religion, but it's got no power. We can regurgitate multiple scriptures and doctrines, but where is the life? Lord, we lift our minds to you and ask that breakthrough. Breakthrough, Lord. We want it to be defined first and foremost as kingdom-minded people. The mind of Christ. So be exalted in this church. Be exalted in the lives of each one. We do not shrink back in this time we're in. We hear the call to stand and be light. We hear the call to be salty. And yes, yes, Lord. We're on deck now. We've been called to this place in this time. We will not shrink back, but we want to do it through you, for you, by you. No flesh will glory in the presence. This is God's work done God's way. So we yield to you, Lord God. We yield to you, Lord God. I'm just going to ask the guys to play a bit. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would minister, that you would point out, that you would draw, that you would free. I pray for smelling salts under those noses that are asleep in this room. That you'd wake up your church, Lord God. Thank you, Lord.